Jed Emerson, today's guest, is famous for developing the concept of blended value for impact investors. He is the Chief Impact Officer for Alvarium Tiedemann Alti. He is also recognized as a philanthropist and social entrepreneur. He'll share insights about his work and his superpower. I'm your host, Devin Thorpe. Welcome to the Superpowers for Good show, where we empower you. Jed, thank you so much for joining me for this conversation. It's been too long since we've had a chance to connect. It has. It's certainly my pleasure to continue our discussion. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. You know, you have been a the genuine thought leader in this space uh, for really a generation. It's been a long time since you really began leading this effort Uh and one of the things that you sort of defined for the world is this concept of blended value. I wonder if you would just take a minute. I, I know this is kind of a throwback and in a way you may feel like, well, everyone knows, but take a minute and tell us about blended value and what that means to you and how you see it being applied today. As we've discussed in previous conversations in the late 80s and the early 90s, I really moved out of traditional nonprofit work and into what's become known as impact investing. And one of the things that really kind of helped me in that process was the realization that a lot of us were having very similar conversations with different people, all of whom thought they were having very different discussions, but all of which, to my mind, centered on this issue of how we understand the nature of the value that we create. And I think that in traditional practices of nonprofit versus for-profit, we're asked to, to choose. We're asked to function within a bifurcated value proposition that says that you either make an investment or you make a grant, you work for a nonprofit or you work for a for-profit. And I think many of us have come to conclude that, that actually it's a both-and proposition, that, that companies and businesses create social and environmental value and impacts, and that nonprofits have economic worth and that we really need to take a more integrated, blended value approach to understanding of what ultimately are we trying to create in the world. And from that, then we can step back and say, well, what are the tools? What are the different uh, capital structures and instruments? What are the different organizational forms that we want to deploy in pursuit of the, optimizing that value? And one of the things that you've done recently uh, to accelerate this movement is to move from uh, a focus on your own independent firm with its relatively small scale, and I mean that as no insult, that, uh, but, but as an independent operator, as influential as you've been, there was an opportunity for you to join what has now become uh, Alti uh, to have a, a significantly increased scale, $60 billion firm. Tell us a little bit about that transition and what motivated it and how things are going there at Alti now. Sure. Well, you know, as you said, I, I had reached a point where I had written eight books. I had various academic appointments. I had a, a private advisory practice with between, you know, three to six families, depending on, you know, the time of year and how you count. Um, and it, it, everything was great, right? And then we went into the pandemic. And I think a lot of us spent a lot of time kind of reassessing, let's say, and for me, uh, my wife and I live here in New York City. We were uh, blocks away from a hospital. And so during the lockdown, it was incessant, just constant uh, ambulances. And in that 
setting, in that context, we all, I think, began thinking differently about class, about race, about the climate crisis, the whole conversation around essential workers earning minimum wage um, really raises questions about social and economic equity and justice. And I think that for me, as I kind of came through that period, I began to, to kind of reach this conclusion that I had, I don't want to say uh, started to phone it in, but I think I had become very comfortable with the life that I had built for myself and my wife and family. And I realized that um, things had shifted and that uh, a couple of things in particular. One is that the climate crisis really came home for a lot of us. I've been active and involved in those themes and issues for years, but there was an intensity and urgency that I think uh, we really saw. Uh, if, you, if you believe that the virus you know, was transmitted, uh, was it zootropically? Is that the term that people use <laughs> from animals to human? A large part of that opportunity comes from the destruction of habitat. It comes from, you know, a system where we're basically, you know, destroying the living planet in order to save ourselves and killing ourselves in that process. And so that raises a whole host of issues in terms of how we interact with nature, how we think about the climate crisis, how we respond. Uh, George Floyd's murder, uh, the rise of Black Lives Matter, all of this raised uh, pretty serious issues for all of us. For me, I'm 64. I really started thinking about, okay, how do I really want to spend the next five to 10 years of my career? And I think that for me, uh, I've, I've done well working with asset owners. I've done well asking uh, uncomfortable questions of asset owners. And I had been advising uh, one of the firms that's been active in impact investing, Tiedemann Advisors, for several years. And as I went through the process of kind of uh, coming out of the, the, the COVID pandemic period, began a series of discussions with the CEO about his vision and the future of the firm. And he began talking with me about this merger that he'd wanted to execute and was exploring and his concerns about how do you scale impact with integrity? Uh, what does it mean to maintain a culture of collaboration at a company that has got a footprint in the US, Europe, Middle East, and Asia? Um, what is the, the opportunity to really do something different? Now, Tiedemann and what now has become Alti, Alvarium Tiedemann, is not an impact investing firm. So I want to be clear on that. Um, but it is a firm that seeks to manage its impacts with intentionality, to, to be aware of you know, what's happening. I, for years, we have said all of this work, uh, sustainable, responsible investing, sustainable finance, impact investing, it's really all just good investing practice where we're expanding the aperture of what we're considering uh, in terms of what we take into account with the calculus that we use in order to understand finance and performance and return. And so for me, I really felt like this was a Goldilocks kind of firm, not so massive that I would get lost or just get you know expunged from the firm, but also not small. I think we, we have a lot of great firms that are at uh, lower levels of AUM. And I'm proud to have worked with a lot of our colleagues in this community uh, to build those practices in various ways over time. And we are running out of time. If we are serious about the climate crisis, if we're serious about social inequity, I do not think we have another 50 years to have conversations about, would it be nice if, or gosh, can we think differently about that? 
Um, I think we need to have capital at scale to respond, not necessarily answer, but to respond to the challenges that already are at scale. And we need more of us need to be kind of going into the belly of the beast, if you will, and really grappling with the challenge of what that means. Um, we've got some great innovators and great innovations in capital structure and finance that have been, um, for lack of a better word, on, on the fringe of mainstream capital markets. We need to really understand and, and explore and, and grapple really with the challenge of bringing those innovations into the mainstream so that as impact investing continues to scale, it does so with integrity, it does so with a focus and understanding of systems change as opposed to product offering and wealth kind of accumulation. Um, there's a lot of things that we have to address. So I'm, I'm pleased to have had this opportunity to come in as chief impact officer for Alvarium Tiedemann, what we call Alti, um, to really grapple with these issues across that platform that you referenced. We, we have a wealth management practice. We have a firewall in order to maintain the independence of that practice. And then we have an asset management group that's active in, in hedge funds, um, in, uh, in uh, merchant banking, in real estate, in co-investment strategies. I mean, just a host of things. And so my job is not, it, oddly enough, similar to how I worked with families, my job is not to come in and tell people what to do, but rather encourage us all to sit more deeply with these questions and co-create answers that kind of are ahead of us somewhere that maybe neither of us have really uh, understood or seen the possibilities of until we come together and try to, to go forward to co-create the future of finance. Your success has been exceptional. Your influence and impact on the world, uh, really dramatic. Uh, people can measure this in meaningful ways, but billions of dollars uh, have been deployed using your philosophical guidance. I mean, it's, it, it really matters what you've done. What is your superpower? Well, I think that, um, first off, thank you for, for saying all that. That's really very nice of you. But I really do have to say, I think it was Chairman Mao who said that a leader is someone who finds a parade and runs to stand in front of it. And I think in my case, I was very fortunate to be part of a generation of actors who um, had been engaged in community work, had been engaged in traditional advocacy and activism, and coming through the 80s and 90s, decided that we needed to retool. We needed to actually use the tools of capitalism kind of uh, uh, to move the whole conversation to another level. So I've been very, uh, really proud to be a part of a community of practice uh, where we're engaged in this work. And I think that for me, I guess my, my superpower would be what I understand Walter Brugman spoke about. I'm not sure. I've never actually read this, but I had heard it attributed to him is the whole notion of ambition. And by ambition, I mean the idea that we should be hugely ambitious in the agenda that we seek to advance, but approach the advancement of that agenda with a posture of humility and with an understanding that answers and understandings of the world and reality and solutions evolve and change and shift. And what we understood to be true 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago may look different today or from the way it will look tomorrow. And so what I'm trying to operate within is a framework that says that uh, great to have the ambition of new ideas, new practices, new vision and understanding. And we need to understand that 
I mean, I would argue nothing that we are grappling with today is anything other than what humanity has grappled with for millennia. And so at its core, uh, we need to really just calm down and, and not fall victim of the idea that simply because we're the latest, that we're the best and the smartest and the most talented, uh, we may have new tools, we may have what for us are new ideas, but really we're grappling with some of the core fundamental challenges of humanity and human existence. And there's a wealth of wisdom and knowledge that we need to be tapping into in order to really inform our current thinking today. Yeah, I, I love this concept of ambition. It, it, it is a powerful one uh, to recognize our own uh, limitations and the the limit of our you know kind of the limits on our role, and yet uh, to aspire to influence, cause, direct, lead, help. Uh, big things happen. Uh, it, it's essential for being effective, and you you personify that perfectly. So. Uh, I think you've chosen, identified a genuine, genuine superpower in yourself. Can you think of a specific instance, an anecdote you could share, a story you could share when you kind of consciously deployed that ambition, or at least can, in retrospect, see how your ambition led to the impact and success you, you had in that moment? Well, I think I would hope we could all find examples of where we had an opportunity to move in one direction and we chose to take a different course because we we just knew. Uh, and I think that in the case of being a, I, I think of myself as a pseudo thought leader because I, I don't know that anything I've really done is anything different from, again, insights and, and visions that I think we've had in our community for years. And I feel like um, the, 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 the idea of perspective is very important for me. And so I could say that at any number of points, I've had these uh, examples of being in a situation where I thought I was right. I knew I had the right idea, but I had to pause and step back and think about how to reframe my strategy to accommodate you know, the people that I wanted to engage in advancing that strategy. And so you can imagine, again, I think all of us have moments where we've had to do that. But for me, it, this was a hard lesson to learn in the sense that uh, when I think of who I was in my 20s and 30s, I probably would have thrown myself out of my own office in my 60s <laughs> because I was very passionate. I was, you know, I thought I was very smart. I couldn't figure out why these older people who were in positions of power to create change would not listen to me and create the change that I thought we should advance. And so today, when I'm in the meetings with colleagues, when I'm in meetings with uh, prospective clients and with active clients, I'm trying to continually pause and, and simply be in that moment and hear what it is that that person is really stating what they're grappling with in terms of their issues and how are they showing up uh, in the world. And that's really the point of engagement. And it's and we have to get to a place where you can almost lose yourself in that in order to dial back your your internal voice, your own ego, your own ideas to really receive and understand what the other person is grappling with, what that other community is grappling with in order to be able then to make a contribution 
because the, the contribution, I, I feel that in a lot of my life, I've had answers that I've been trying to convince people of. And I think one of the, the real detriments of the current practice within impact investing is that it has become this, uh, this place of, of decks and pitches and my, my app, my fund, my strategy will be the one that kind of breaks the back on poverty or what have you, right? And you end up in this position where, you know, you have the folks with the ideas who are just trying to convince and break through and get funded and all that. You have the folks with maybe different levels and amounts of capital who are trying to sort through uh, all these different opportunities, the, the number of new strategies, new innovations, new entrepreneurs that you see over the course of any amount of time is really incredible today as opposed to, let's say, 30 years ago. And I think that the reality is that we can default into these oppositional places when, as I was saying, that the, the real solution, I hope, lies ahead of both of us. And if we reorient kind of like away from my position to our co-created solution, that that's really where uh, we need to be directing our energies. And so the examples or the scenarios that I have are those types of experiences where I'm sitting with a family and they start and say, you know, our issue is we have X amount of wealth and we have to figure out, you know, how to maintain our fiduciary duties while at the same time not wanting to destroy everything that we care about in the world. And then my having to to be with them in a reflection around what does that really mean for them? What are the different steps forward? How do you understand an exploratory process as opposed to a portfolio that's constructed as a static kind of thing, point in time, here's what you need to do if you wanna you know, hit these different financial goals. It's a very different kind of way of being you know, with people as opposed to uh, trying to convince people uh, of what they should be doing. And that's a, that comment and perspective is very different from where I was 10 or, you know, much less 30 years ago. Yeah, I, I think you you have developed an idea here that I want to explore a little further. But th this idea that that ambition requires a different approach. I want to just drill down on that just a little bit. What are the, how would you coach a colleague uh, to apply this? different approach to develop it as a as a skill to develop it develop it as a, a superpower like you oof i think it is uh well first off i don't know that there you can have the intentionality uh to try to evolve this and i think it simply comes uh, uh by by force and virtue of life experience uh this is not a perspective that I had, again, 10 years ago. I certainly did not have it 30 years ago. And, uh, you know, the, the last book that I wrote, The Purpose of Capital, which we spoke about, um, you know, I could not have written that book 10 or 20 or 30 years ago because it basically says we need to sit more deeply with the questions. We need to reflect on what we collectively actually know as opposed to what I understand myself today. And... That mindset change, um, even if you intellectually understand what it is, uh, to really adopt what in Buddhism is called a beginner's mindset uh, is very challenging, I think, for, for all of us. And so I think I've come to that place because I've tried all the other options. <laughs> and uh, it's, it is a way forward that 
it really means a lot to me today because I feel like that the righteousness of my ideas uh, are not as important as the ability to influence and execute those ideas with others and a confidence that those ideas will shift and evolve and change as they see the light of day and as we move forward together. Yeah, uh, that, that's brilliant. And and it, it really is uh, profound. It's, it's a big challenge too, I think for a lot of us, uh, the call to step back, uh, to listen more than we talk, to be thoughtful, deeply thoughtful. That, that, that's an important message. I'm grateful that you share that. And, re, you know, it is consistent with your, your last book, brilliant book. And, uh, but I, I appreciate you sharing that. Uh, I know your time is short. We've got to wrap up. Before you go, would you just take a minute and tell people the best way to get in touch, how to follow you and your work, maybe highlight some of the books you think are most relevant as you look back, but just make sure that people can uh, follow up on this conversation in a way that's right for you sure. and for them. Oh, thank you very much. The, my Twitter handle is at Blended Value, uh, and you can also connect with me on LinkedIn. And then uh, Alti is Alvarium Tiedemann. Alti Global uh, is our website. And uh, we're posting uh, different thought pieces and uh, reflections from our own investor community uh, as a part of that uh, uh, offering as well. So, um, and again, uh, if you go to blendedvalue.org, it's where uh, most of my papers and articles and things are all available for free, including the last book, The Purpose of Capital. Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, again, uh, Jed, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. We wish you every success in your continued efforts to expand uh, a more uh, inclusive uh, e economic system and, and to expand this concept of impact investing and broadly, more broadly speaking, blended value. We want to see that continue to thrive. Thank you so much, Devin. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Now, let's do some good. Thank you for tuning in to the Superpowers for Good show. Twice each week, we host changemakers who share their impact, insights, and superpowers. Don't miss another episode. Subscribe today at superpowersforgood.com. That's superpowers, number four, good.com. Be super empowered. Get your copy of the book, Superpowers for Good, as an ebook, audiobook, paperback, or hardcover edition via your favorite online retailer. Interested in having me speak to your company, organization, or association? Visit devonthorpe.com. Then, let's talk. Now, keep using your superpowers for good. Together, we can reverse climate change, improve global health, and eradicate poverty.